This is the Dave Logan Podcast. Welcome to the ninth installment of the Dave Logan Podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the first eight. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman, by the way. How was your bye weekend? It was kind of kind of fun. It was good. Uh, the Broncos had a bye, and it actually coincided with a bye for the high school team I coach. I'm, I'm the head football coach at Cherry Creek High School. What? Right? Seriously? We had a bye as well. So I literally, on set, and I took, normally I do a TV show, a live TV show for Channel 9 well, every Sunday morning, kind of and they gave me the day off. Okay. So I literally had Saturday and Sunday, and we jumped in the car and went and saw Colorado beat Stanford. It was the first Buffs game that I had a chance to attend in person uh, in probably 15-plus years. Oh, my God. It was great. Because of the schedule? And it was Yeah, because, I mean, normally if, if the Broncos play on Sunday, Saturday's a travel day, so I'm gone. Uh-huh. And if they're home, I try to get out and see either the JV – or the freshman play. So it's just, I mean, I've watched the Buffs countless times on TV. I make it a point to see them, but I I had not had a chance to get up and, and it was like 75 degrees. It was beautiful and they won the game. Mm-hmm. So it was a spectacular weekend. It was you know, good. I was actually thinking about being a student at CU right now. I don't know why I was thinking about that, but. Especially since you didn't ever go to CU. <laughs> exactly. It's a little weird, but. Well, so I went to KU, and athletics was a big, the basketball team, and going to basketball games were a huge part of my college career. Well, let's just say, well, it wasn't for, really a career. for the record, yeah, basketball was a big event, uh, and I get that. It was. Football, not so much. Not so much. And then I think, you know, these past few years, it's not what it's like when you're a student at CU. Don't give me the stink eye. What, what does that mean? It just means that for a long time, except for maybe Rise Up, that was an exciting season. It's been a little dry up. Oh, yeah. Now, listen, I can't, I can't uh, defend that. Yeah. Right? I, I wouldn't, wouldn't even attempt to. I just get bummed out a little bit. Well, I mean, how do you think I feel? Badly. Uh, and, and I will say this, too, and I didn't realize it uh, until, obviously, I saw it. Uh-huh. Ralphie, Ralphie did not run out. Ralphie did not lead the Buffs onto the field at Folsom Field Saturday against Stanford. Why? Chip, the mascot, was harnessed, and Chip ran his little ass on the east sideline, heading south, and then curved around. Well, because I, I later found I'm thinking, what? Where? where is Ralphie? But I later found out that for the second consecutive home game, Ralphie had displayed some, uh, it was described as moodiness, it's a woman. And it's anxiety, of course. <laughs> and therefore, they said it's probably best uh-huh. not to run her. And you know what I say? You know, fellas, this is this is a lesson to be learned early in <laughs> one's career. And I think the smart, most prudent move was made. We're- Nothing like an angry 1,200-pound female buffalo who's moody for whatever reason <laughs> You know, and you are one of five having to hold on to that thing and try to sprint around Folsom Field. I I get it. I was disappointed, (laughs) but I totally get it. I really do. Before we get to the a little bit of the Broncos, did you see when Chip got nailed in the groin by the cannon shotgun thing? Yeah, so he's recovered. Yeah. Well, unless there's a new chip. Okay. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that I mean, would... you never can tell who's under that costume. That's true. We used to have an intern, Rob Moody, who was Chip. Yes, he was Chip. Yeah. He might have been, was he the original Chip? I don't know. I don't know if he was the original. Maybe. Don't you wonder how that discussion took place? Really, is a group of probably 15 people that you have to come to some sort of consensus uh, on virtually everything. And now they want to identify Chip. And if you haven't seen Chip, Chip is like a... You know, it's a costume that looks a little bit like, sort of like a buffalo. But it's, it's like a happy buffalo. It's like a happy buffalo. <laughs> I mean, I wonder who said, you know, I know we can't have Ralphie like at, at a basketball game, but what if we have like a mascot? And I don't know. What do you think? I drew this up last night. Uh, what do you think of this? And let's call it Chip. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, more power to Chip, I guess. I mean, I think Ralphie's the best and I'm biased, the single best mascot in college football today. It's either Ralphie or Bevo. I'm voting Ralphie. Well, Ralphie is big and intimidating. I would vote for big and intimidating, right? Ralphie's, yes, yes to both. But Ralph, I mean, what would be more cool than a live buffalo leading the football team onto the playing field? A cougar. Oh, a where do you have a live cougar? You don't. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think you win. If you can get like a panther, a cougar. Why don't you apply for the job? <laughs> Ow! Oh, you mean, never mind. I thought you, uh, never mind. Four-legged. Yeah. Okay. So what were you going to okay. talk about? So as we move forward with the Broncos. Go ahead. Three and six. Yep. I'd like to just quickly do a little mid-season awards as we look forward to the Vikings game yep. coming up on Sunday. Just a perfect time with the bye. By the way, double chin strap. Buckle that thing up for Sunday. If you saw Minnesota just demolish Dallas, even though it was a good, close, competitive game, mm-hmm. Dallas had been pretty good on defense, had no chance to stop the Minnesota running game, which well, is a bit problematic, but let's go ahead. Okay. Offensive MVP with the Broncos 3-6 and six as we move forward. Uh, I would say the offensive MVP, I would have co-MVPs. You only get one. Yeah. Name of the podcast? The Dave Logan podcast. Thank you. You get two. Uh, I would say, <laughs> I normally don't do that. Now I would say co, co-MVPs would be Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton. If I had to pick, mm-hmm. I'd pick Lindsay. Um, but Sutton's had a great year. So I, I would vote co-MVPs, Lindsay and Sutton. I, and I saw Philip at the CU game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you, were you on the sidelines? Was not. Was not. I saw him walking in the stadium. But he was, yeah, we were both walking. Oh, there. he must, you and him. I mean, pretty popular people up at Folsom Field. Well, listen, you know. You, you, you like, hate that when I do that to Yeah. You. Well, that was a long time ago for me. Not nearly as long ago for Philip. Yeah. So I think Philip would be would be really popular because a lot of people now knew him there, followed him there, loved him there, and now they've seen what he's done in a year and a half in the NFL. Do they need a new stadium up there, by the way? Did they what? Do they need a new stadium up there? No. It's a beautiful stadium. They've, Folsom? They've, they've had, yeah, they've they've changed it. That's true. That's true. They've updated it. Well, they, Have you they, seen where Kansas plays? <laughs> yeah, but it's football's problematic there. Okay. So they don't need to worry about that. Okay. Defensive MVP. Um, I would say, let's see about this. I would say the defensive MVP would be Justin Simmons. He's getting a lot of love. Justin Simmons has played every single snap. He did so last year. Um, he just makes a lot of plays, right? He's a good tackler. He's, he's good in coverage. 
Um, he's just an all-around good football player. So I would say, and my my runner-up would be either Alexander Johnson or Kareem Jackson. So with Justin Simmons, there's a number of players that are going to are heading into their free agency year, I believe. Isn't Justin, and he's one of them. And he's one of them. Isn't yep. he the one that right now is making the most money? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's making by the himself way, money. He's making himself money yeah. right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you have – listen, Vic Fangio is not one that just gives out a lot of compliments just to say the right sort of thing publicly. He came out when asked about Justin Simmons and said, I think he's got a very – and I'm paraphrasing – has a very bright future. Um, looking forward to him playing here in a Broncos uniform for a long time. I mean, Vic Fangio and, and Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, they love Justin Simmons because he's, I mean, to me, he's a he's a multi-dimensional guy. You can utilize him in a lot of different ways. He's big enough and strong enough that you can bring him down and he can get involved in the run game. He's an he, he's a good enough athlete that he can cover tight ends, and if he needs to, we've seen him play on the corner. You don't want him to make his living out there, but he's a good enough athlete that he can play smart, that he can play on the corner if necessary. So he's he's the kind of guy that I think defensive coaches love because they can do so many different things with him. Plus, he's smart. He's a really smart young player. He's very cerebral. So we've had some really good safeties here in Denver. Could he be one of the best? Does he have Uh, that you know, to be determined, right? I mean, I think that when, when you talk about great safeties here with the Broncos, you start with Billy Thompson. He was maybe the first, and BT was drafted back in 69 uh, and played uh, into the 80s. Then you've got, I mean, Steve Foley played some safety. Steve was a hell of a player, but he played corner as well. You've obviously got Steve Atwater and Dennis Smith. I think Dennis Smith should be in the Hall of Fame. I've said this before. I think Atwater should as well and will. I don't think Dennis will get there because nobody nobody talks about him enough. I'm I, From, from a, an opposing player's standpoint, Dennis Smith was as good as any safety who's ever played the game. You're talking about a guy who was an athlete, who could play some corner, was over 200 pounds, was a seven-foot high jumper in high school, and would – would knock the taste out your mouth every single chance he got. And never, I never saw Dennis Smith turn down an opportunity to like lay the wood. He, he, I mean, I've seen a lot of good play. I really have. I played with guys. I played with two good safeties in Cleveland. Let me say this when Earl Campbell in his heyday broke through the line and went rumbling into the secondary. There weren't many guys that wanted any part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I remember seeing Dennis Smith and Earl Campbell match up. I, I think I think Dennis got a, a big hit on Earl, but Dennis Smith was as physical as any safety. He and Ronnie Lott, the two most physical that I ever saw play the game. Do you think that that's? I feel like there's a few Orange Crush members that oh, are yeah. getting ignored by the Hall of Fame. I have no idea why. We talked about this, you know, on the show we do in KOA, and we've talked about it for a number of years. Um, I just don't, I used to I used to downplay this, and I used to tell callers when they call the show not to be provincial. I mean, don't don't be so don't think in such small terms. I mean, the Broncos will get guys in, you know. When, but now I go back and I evaluate that, and I think I was wrong. I, I I don't know the answer as to why there aren't more Broncos players in the Hall of Fame. I think they've been well represented. I mean, Jeff Legwald of ESPN is one of the guys that stands up in front of the room of voters and makes his case for Bronco players. I think Jeff's done a really good job. 
but for some reason they have just been overlooked, whether it's the mountain time zone or the fact that, you know, kind of falls into a funky TV spot in terms of being on national TV, but it's, it's a, it's just short of being a crime that guys like Randy Gratishar, Carl Mecklenburg, I think Dennis Smith should be in. Louis Wright should get a Louis snip. Louis Wright was a terrific corner. Louis was one of the two or three elite corners of his generation, and he played for double-digit years. Um, those three guys off the top of my head, Gratishar, Wright, and Mecklenburg, to me, all warrant Hall of Fame induction, and yet none of them are there yet. Obviously, that's a disappointment. What's the biggest disappointment player-wise this season for you? From an individual standpoint? Yeah. Mm, I would say, oh, the well, I mean, Garrett Bowles has, has not been as good as I thought he would be with Mike Munchak. He didn't have a good year last year. Um, but I thought when they brought Munchak on, who was a Hall of Fame player, has coached in the league a long time. He's been a head coach, been a great offensive line coach. I, I really thought we'd see vast improvement from Garrett Bowles. Now, I, I think I, I'm not like everybody else that looks at him and says, okay, he's he's awful every single snap. Because I go back and look at every every game with the All-22 where you can see, and, and you look at different players on different plays. He hasn't been awful every single snap. But his technique is still it still falls short of what you have to have at left tackle. I, I look at Garrett, if you saw Garrett walking down the street, you'd say that's a big man. But if you saw, I mean, if you really took time to look at him, he's not overly uh you know a muscle guy. He's not I, I don't I don't know if, if it's a weight room thing or a power thing or simply a technique thing, because he's certainly a good enough athlete. I mean, he's 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 a good athlete for a man his size. So then it gets down to the question, okay, how many of the holding calls are actually good holding calls? I know the Broncos feel like, you know, four of those holding calls were not good calls in Garrett Bowles, but he still gets his name announced over the PA system and people still boo. But the fact of it is, I you know, in all honesty, and nothing personally against Garrett, but I, I thought he would show much improvement this year. And Maybe we've seen a little, but we haven't seen as much as I thought. A couple more. The best opposing crowd so far this year. The crowd where you go, I mean, either they could be ridiculously bad or you could be actually impressed with them. Oh, where would that be? Uh, you mean on the road? Yeah. Right? Well, we haven't gone to Kansas City. We've gone to Oakland. Oakland is always, um, Oakland. you know, the crowd at Oakland is kind of like an old Mad Max movie. <laughs> where you pull in the parking lot and you get guys wearing horns and they're wearing the eye black. And it's like four. We we go with the team, the first bus. I go with the first bus. And we get in about almost four hours before the kickoff. And they're out grilling. And, I mean, they, they of all NFL crowds, when we pull in the parking lot, you get more fingers from people. And I told this story in the air as well. Uh, the last game, it was a family grilling and we got a finger from a little boy who looked to be, I don't know, 10. Uh-huh. And then like three people down, we get the double finger <laughs> from, well, I'm going to assume she was the grandmother, and every bit of mid-70s, we get the double phalange. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, that that crowd, and I, I'm sorry in a certain sense that we won't be going back to Oakland 
and continue because those people, they're, they're a tad bit warped, but they love the Raiders and they do love to come out and party. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun sort of crowd as long as you're in a bus with the door locked to observe as you pull in. So what do you do when they flip you off? Do you just wave? I flipped them. You flip I flip them back off. I'm like, that's not, why you're the not, not, not the kid, not the kid, but the grandmother. I'm like, hey, really? Back at you. No, oh. I, I think I probably have from time to time because you you know you get some guys that are the 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 fake biker guys. You look at them and think like, you know, dude, you know, seriously, you sit there with you, the tough guy thing. Mm-hmm. I would love sometime just to stop the bus and just all the players and everybody empty out of the bus and it'd be like Braveheart, right? It'd be like, it'd be like Mel Gibson on the top of the cliff, you know, waving the flag and then down they come and you got the dog running with Mel Gibson and you're cheering for the dog. I'm thinking, I hope the dog doesn't get killed in this, but you know, that's never going to happen. But it, you do sort of like smirk at these dudes. It's like, okay, really? I mean, how tough are you that's really? Why, so, you know, why I love you, Dave. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings game coming up on Sunday. We'll do it next on the Dave Logan podcast. The Dave Logan Podcast can be found at iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember to download, and if you like what you hear, share with your friends and subscribe. Remember, you can log on to our website, thedaveloganpodcast.com. Go to the Contact tab to ask us questions. We'll read them on the podcast. Most every question is fair game. Just keep it classy. It's thedaveloganpodcast.com, or you can send your question directly to us on Twitter, at DaveLoganPod or at JulieBrownman1. And we welcome you back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brown with you. Broncos you know and the Vikings coming up Sunday. You know what I like best is that you never remind me that it's the Dave Logan Podcast. What do you mean? You just never bring it up. I don't. I know. Just should, should I do that? No. I'm going to call you and say, hi, <laughs> Julie, it's Dave Logan from the Dave Logan Podcast. No, we've, we've known each other too long for that. Yes, we have 27 years. By the way, um, I've got a big birthday coming up. It's going to be on our podcast. It's in a couple podcasts. You're going to want to bring gifts. I'm just throwing it out You have a big there. birthday? Oh, it is, it is a real big one. It's a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, never thought, I never thought of you in that term, but now, since you brought it up, can I tell people how old? Yeah. 50. Freaking 50. Who would have thought that? God dang it. You had just graduated from Kansas when you became the intern at KOA yeah. for some stupid sports show at night, 6 to 8, hosted by you. y- yours truly. How would you feel when you turned 50? Um, what were you doing when you turned 50? I was, yeah, I was living here, right? Yeah. I had retired, let's see, 50 would be, yeah, no, I was here. I'd already been here like, uh, two, 15 years. Was it a big birthday or were you like, meh, I got to go? Not really. I mean, listen, you just hope you're healthy and feeling good and, you know, but as you get older, you want to tend, you can't do it because people won't let you do it, mm-hmm. but you try to like fly under the radar with some of these birthdays because it's like, okay, you are what, how old? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, there's, there's pressure in the workplace. I, I b- firmly believe this. We're not talking about the Broncos and the Vikings, but I think as you get older, people view you a little bit differently. People sometimes, you know, they start to say, okay, you know, you're, you're getting to this age. And so do you want to start to cut back or, 
Do you want, I mean, they just view you differently. So my theory is if they're not completely sure how old you are, Mm -hmm. then they have less of an opportunity to view you in the light of, well, it's just about time. So we should edit out that. With you? Yeah. Well, 50 is not bad. Now, when you get 60, then it's like, okay. So then you start to get some of that. But I, I listen, as long as you feel good, mm-hmm. you stay in shape, you try to eat right, you battle as best you can. And then I think when it's time to finally step back or cut back or whatever, I think the first person that knows it usually is you. I mean, I think you know if you're just not able to, to, to keep up or you just don't have the drive or mm-hmm. when you get up in the morning, it's like, you know, I just don't feel like doing You can have that feeling every now and then, but when that becomes a prevailing feeling that you have to deal with on a semi or regular basis, then I think it's time to sit back down and evaluate as to how long you want to do whatever it is you're doing. So are the Broncos going to wake up on Sunday morning and go, oh God, we're in Minnesota right now where I believe the Vikings are 22-0, and last 22, they're 22-0 and when they're up at halftime. Yeah. I watched the Vikings-Cowboys game on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought I thought Dallas might find a way to win that game, but I was struck by two things. The Cowboys really fast on defense. They had no answer for the Vikings running game. The Vikings ran the ball whenever the Vikings wanted to run the ball, and they ran it right down Dallas's throat. And it was vintage Gary Kubiak, and uh, it took me back to a time that the Broncos were basically destroying people with inside and outside zone. And I looked back and, uh, you know, Terrell Davis was getting the lion's share of the carries. And then they'd throw, you know, boot pass or naked pass just to keep you on your toes. Uh, And then a couple of dropbacks, but not many. And they just killed people with the front side of the zone and the backside cutoff. And then I now look fast forwarding to 2019. That's the offense the Vikings have. It is Almost exact. I mean, they've got you know a few nuances, right? Because it's twenty years ago, but it it looks exactly the same. You have Delvin Cook, who is leading the league in rushing, and he reminds me of Terrell Davis. I don't know if he's going to eventually get to the Hall of Fame or not, but he's faster than T was. He's a ten four hundred meter kid in high school, uh, and I said this earlier this week on the air. I would bet there aren't five backs in the league right now that run 10-4. I would bet there might not be 10 receivers out of 32 teams that run 10-4. This guy has elite, elite speed, and he he stays on track. He's tough. He's 210 pounds. He's hard to tackle. They, they will be formidable for this Broncos defense coming up on Sunday. I'm glad you mentioned Gary Kubiak. Can you give me a synopsis of what happened here and if there's bad blood or it's just going to be another game? I, I, I do not think it's just another game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gary is really smart and way too classy to ever admit that it's just that. I think he has fond memories, I know he does, of the organization and the Bolin family. And you got to keep in mind, Gary was drafted here in 1983, spent nine years as a backup quarterback, then you know was a, was a coach under Mike Shanahan, then was the head coach. I mean, this guy has spent maybe more time in this organization than any single person. Um, I have to think about that, but I that may be true. So I, here, here's what I think happened. I think that 
John and Gary, um, I think John realizes Gary's really good at what he does. He's very smart. He's a football He's a football guy. There, there are coaches in the NFL that make their living coaching football that are not football guys. That may sound crazy, but that's my firm belief. Gary's not one of them. Gary's a football guy. And I think they were set on him coming back and being the offensive coordinator for Vic, but there were a couple of things that Gary wanted in terms of guys to bring with him that the organization didn't feel the same way about them as they felt about Gary. And I think it was a hill to die on for Gary. Was that Rick Dennison you're talking about? I think Rick was one of them. I think Brian Periani, who's the tight ends coach. Both Rick and Brian are members of the Viking staff. And so I admire Gary for his loyalty. But I also think that Vic Fangio uh, and, and John Elway, to a certain degree, they had the right to say, like, listen, here's what – if I'm Vic Fangio and I, I have respect for Gary, I'm going to let Gary run the offense. I, I don't know that I want Gary to bring both Rick and Brian – you, you mean you can't ever, especially for a first-time head coach, you you don't want to think, not that Gary would, but you don't want to think, if you're Vic Fangio, that there's somebody building an empire within the building in which you work, right? So I, I, I can understand why Vic and John said, Gary, we want you. We're not really interested in anybody else. And Gary, I think, is a loyal guy and said, well, then that's that's probably going to be a deal breaker. So... Um, I, I don't think it's any more than that. And I do know this for sure. Gary will never, ever publicly uh, tell people exactly what he thinks or how he feels about that situation. He's just got too much class. That would be hard for John, though, right? I mean, they were buddy, they're buddies. I still, I think they're buddies. Mm-hmm. But I think John's responsibility is to, you know, he hired Vic, right? And this is the last thing you want to do is saddle the head coach if he's not comfortable with something and say, well, by the way, this is how it's going to be. Which is that, what happened with Vance. So. Yeah, th- then you start out on a real bad foot. And and they weren't in a position. I mean, you know, the last two years with Vance Joseph, and then that didn't work out. Now you bring in Vic Fangio. I mean, you want that hadn't worked out yet, but you want that thing to work out if you're John Elway. So I, I get that. And, and I also think that, um, again, there, there was an opinion sort of developed about, and I won't say it doesn't, I'm not going to say who, but in that mixture, there was an, an opinion from the organization that they didn't really uh, think he was uh, a good enough coach to be brought back, and so they didn't. Okay, last question for you. I know you, you guys have this week. Who do you play? The playoffs start this week, yes? The high school? Yeah. They started last week. Oh, you guys had a bye? Yes. Okay, you had a bye. Um, how stressed out do high school kids get with, like, is that part of your job is when the playoffs start? I know Cherry Creek is used to being in the playoffs, but – Playoffs, you get ramped up. So during around, around playoff time, a coach's a high school coach's job is to what? Oh, I well, I think it's to do everything you can to make sure your kids stay focused on the task at hand. I, I think it's much more stressful for high school coaches than for high school kids. I, I really do, and maybe that's the way it should be. But I think high school kids can, uh, if you're not careful, can be looking all the way down the road like, okay, we play them, and then we play them, and then we play them. And then maybe either them or them. High school coaches can't afford to ever look that way themselves. And the the good ones that I've been around are guys that will sort of recalibrate the position you're in right now. And the postseason is like uh, a, a season in and of itself, right? So to keep those kids focused on the task at hand, which is one game, right? And I what I tell kids is um, – 
you know, we need to win every single series. How do you win every single series? Well, you win your individual matchups, right? So you know your job, do your job, win your individual matchup, and then you win every single series. And then you strive to win every quarter of play. If you win every quarter of play, chances are when the game is done, you're going to be the team that's ahead. Not look, not look to where you're going or who you're playing, but, but the process of how you get there is so important. And that's what I think the, the good high school coaches uh, do. And that's, that's the challenge, I think, for most of us at this time of year. Are you nervous? Absolutely. I get, I get, more, I get much more nervous for high school games than I ever did as a player in the NFL. Really? I, I really do because, it, you know, you work so hard, but at some point you realize – it's up to the it's up to the kids. It's up to the players. Have you done every single thing you possibly can to prepare them for all the things that you think they will encounter during that particular game? And have you been able to break down the game into, as I just said, small increments, right? Play by play, series by series, quarter by quarter, half by half, game by game. And if, if you've been able to do that, then it's up to the players that you've prepared to go out and play. How does your nervousness manis- manifest itself? Do you like not sleep? Are you like, I don't, well, no, I don't sleep. I don't sleep very well. Um, I mean, not sleeping constantly watching film constantly, you know, drawing X's and O's. I mean, high school guys, all you do is you get a sheet of paper, no matter where you're sitting. If you're sitting at, I don't know, you take, took the family out to wherever you like to take the family out and, and there's a napkin and all of a sudden something pops into your mind because you just ended practice and now you're having dinner at seven 30, which is a little bit late for your eight year old and 10 year old. And, but you're out there wherever you're out there. And all of a sudden you think of that, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, if they run that stunt, if they bring four week there, do I have? And then you start writing things down on your napkin. That's that's how high school coaches work, and they do it at night. I keep a pad right by the bed, so you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, "Wait, I, I can't run that against that coverage because I." And then you write stuff down. I mean, it's like you're the biggest football nerd in the world, and people say, "Well, it's just high school," but high school coaches don't look at it as it being just high school. It's not. It's the most important thing, and especially for those kids. You want to do everything you can to put those kids in the best possible position to give them a chance to win. I'm getting anxious just watching you explain this. Yeah, and I haven't had, I mean, I haven't had coffee. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, but I can get really geared up. Let's Matter of fact, I'm heading to practice right now. Okay, see you next week.